Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. This week, I'm pleased to give you a break from listening to me for a while and share a lesson sent in from Christian Keter. I contacted Christian after hearing an episode from his podcast called I Just Want to Talk About the Bible, and I invited him to send a lesson over, and I really appreciate him taking me up on that. And I will also give the links to his podcast in the notes so you can check it out. Christian and his wife Lacey and their two daughters live in the southwest of the U.S., and along with this uh, podcast that I mentioned. Uh, he's also on staff with a ministry called Mentoring Men for the Master and feels led to teach the Word of God. So again, I just appreciate his willingness to share and submit a recording for the Servant Soul podcast. So here's Christian. Hey everybody, as Kenneth said, my name is Christian Keeter and I'm very honored to be here with you guys on the Servant Soul podcast. So today we're going to be talking about something that is relevant and vital to each and every one of our lives as Jesus followers, and that's going to be asking the Lord for wisdom. We need the Lord's wisdom. We need his guidance. We find ourselves in circumstances where we don't know necessarily the right thing to do or the correct course of action. We find ourselves in circumstances where we're perplexed and we just need the Lord's perspective on the situation. We need God's wisdom his guidance, his perspective. This is something that all of us need all the time. And so before getting into the specific passages that we're going to be looking at today, because there's going to be a specific focus of seeking wisdom from the Lord, that will be the object of our study in this episode. Let me just share with you a few general scriptures that have to do with seeking wisdom from God. The first one is going to be James 1, 5 through 6, which says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And that's the end of the passage. But before moving on, let me just make a couple of quick observations here. I want you to notice, one, that it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So notice those words, any and all. And I just want to let you know, that includes you. If you lack wisdom, if you need God to show you, to guide you, to give you his perspective, you're included in this promise because it says any and all. Also, I want you to notice how it says who gives generously to all without reproach. Notice God's heart towards this. It says he gives it generously to those who ask. And it says without reproach, without insulting you, without being disappointed in you for needing wisdom. He's not upset that you need the wisdom. He's not upset that I don't have the insider perspective to know the best course of action. He's not upset with that at all. It says he gives generously without reproach. And then also I want you to notice the certainty of the promise. It doesn't say, and it might be given him. It says, and it will be given him. And so just think about that. If anybody lacks wisdom, if any, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And so that that is open to each of us. It says that the Lord gives it generously and without reproach. And it says it will be given. But here's the qualifier. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And I'm not going to get all into um, this aspect of it, but I'm just going to sum it up and say this. 
ask for wisdom, and believe that he'll give it. And then resolve ahead of time to act on what he shows you. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation, but please show me what to do, and I will do it. I need your wisdom, your guidance. I need you to show me which path to take. Now, let me quickly say, I'm not talking about matters of sin, because when it comes to sin, the answer is always, well, don't do it. Sin is never the right solution. And so I'm not saying, well, should I sin? Should I not sin? I don't really know. Let me pray about that. And yeah, it's always good to pray about everything and always just share with the Lord what's on your heart. But the answer is going to be, don't sin. You know, the wages of sin is death, the scriptures say. And so the Bible has nothing good to say about sin at all. And so I'm talking about when it's just like you're in situations and you don't know what to do. You don't have all the details. You you have a limited perspective and you got to guide you and show you because these are practical decisions that you don't know the answers to. Or perhaps, like I said, you're just in the midst of circumstances and you're confused why circumstances are unfolding the way that they are. And you just need the Lord to show you his perspective and help help you to see things the way that he sees them. That's more in line of what we're talking about here. So I just wanted to include that. And so ask in faith. And so I will say this as well. If you're if you're like, well, how do I just manufacture faith? How can I just, you know, believe? Well, I will say that uh, Romans 10, 17, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And then back in James one, the verse five there, verse five has such powerful promises. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Meditate on that passage. Say it over and over again. Keep on hearing it and keep asking God, Lord, help me to see and believe and understand this passage. And as you do that with verse five, I believe that verse um, verse six will follow where you will be asking in faith. And so if you're having trouble asking in faith, just meditate on verse five. One more quick scripture before we get into the uh, bulk of today's episode, and that's going to be Proverbs chapter three, really famous passage, verses five and six, which say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And so that's what we want. We want him to make straight our paths. We need that wisdom, but we have a role to play. Notice how it says it's our role to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and to not lean on our own understanding and to in all of our ways acknowledge him. And so we we do have a role to play. And part of what this looks like, it includes asking God for wisdom, asking him for wisdom and ahead of time determining I'm going to do what he shows me to do. So moving on, that's just kind of a general introduction to this topic of, of wisdom and asking wisdom from the Lord. Specifically, a specific application and aspect of this is going to be seen as we compare a couple of Old Testament figures, namely David and Joshua. Now we're going to begin by reading out of 2 Samuel chapter 5. This is shortly after David is anointed king of Israel. Back in 1 Samuel 16, he had been anointed by the prophet Samuel, but many years would pass before he actually ascends the throne. He spends a good deal of time on the run from King Saul, who is seeking to harm him, although David is, is blameless in his interactions towards Saul. And then at the end of 1 Samuel, Saul dies in battle. So here we are in 2 Samuel 5. And David is now king. Beginning in verse 17, it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. So let's just pause there for a second. The Philistines are coming to fight against David. 
This is a recurring opponent in Israel's history who would fight against them. And you might remember a very famous Philistine champion from 1 Samuel 17, namely Goliath. He, he was a Philistine. So the Philistines are coming up. They're coming up to fight against David. Continuing in verse 18 and following, it says, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. So we'll pause there. That was through verse 21. So basically what happened is the Philistines came, they uh, mustered in the valley of Rephaim, and David seeks the Lord, he inquires of the Lord, and God says to him, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand, and they go and they have this battle. But continuing through this passage, note the similarities to what happens next here. Verse 22, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So pause there. Look at this. The same enemy, the Philistines, in the same valley, the valley of Rephaim. The circumstance is seemingly identical. And so let me tell you what David could have done. David inquired of the Lord the first time. David could have said, you know what? I remember what God said last time. I'm just going to go and do the exact same thing this time. But David doesn't do that. And it's very good that he doesn't do that. Notice what the following verses say. I'll read verses 23 through 25, which is the remainder of the passage. They say, and when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up, go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gaza. And that is the end of the passage. So isn't that interesting? Same enemy. Same location, completely different instructions from the Lord. David paused a second time and sought the Lord. And although all the circumstances seem to be identical otherwise, God gave him very different instructions. The first time God says, he says back in verse 19, go up. Then here in verse 23, he says, you shall not go up. And he had completely different plans. The first one was, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And the second time was, you shall not go up. Go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. Then when you hear the sound of the mar- of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself, for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And that's the end of that quote there. And so isn't that interesting? Same circumstance, same enemy, same location, very different instruction from the Lord. And we can't say for sure what would have happened if David had done previously, but it stands to reason to think that the battle would not have gone well for him. God gave him completely different instructions this time. And he knew it because he paused to seek the Lord. Now, let me compare or contrast rather this with Joshua. Now, let me say at the outset, Joshua is, you know, he was the leader over Israel after Moses died. Um, obviously, the book of Joshua is is named after Joshua. It's the sixth book in the Bible. It takes place right after the book of Deuteronomy and Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. The baton is passed from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is the new leader, and his task is leading pe- the, the people of Israel into the promised land to take the land that God 
had promised to give them, the land of Canaan. And so Joshua is leading them in, and Joshua chapter 6 is it's a very famous passage. It's Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. And I'm going to have to just kind of go through some of this really quickly without getting too detailed, just for the sake of time. Otherwise, we'd be here a long time. But Joshua is is leading the people, and they're going to fight against Jericho. And so Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, we'll read 1 through 5. It says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So that's through verse 5. So this is a really famous picture. They march around the city. Um, one, They march around it one time for six days in a row. Then on the seventh day, they march around it seven times on the seventh day. And then after the seventh time, they all shout. And of course, the walls fall down and they take the city. Now, you'll remember that Rahab, the prostitute earlier in the book of Joshua, hid some of the spies that Joshua sent in. And so whoever is in Rahab's house will be spared. But anyone outside of Rahab's house is going to be devoted to destruction. So let me resume reading down here in verse 15. It says, On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourself from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And so then it, that's through verse 19. It proceeds, the walls fall down and they do that and they take the city. And so that's great. Victory at Jericho. However, there's an issue here. Moving on to chapter seven, the next chapter, it says, beginning in verse one, it says, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, the son, uh, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So let's just pause there. This guy, Achan took some of the things, some of the devoted things, some of these things that were supposed to be going into the treasury of the Lord. Now, let me just say really quickly. This whole, uh, they were allowed to take the spoil from other battles. Um, like in, uh, in, in chapter eight is fast forwarding a little bit. It says in, in verse two, it says, and you shall do to AI and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, only its spoil and its livestock. You shall take as plunder for yourselves, lay an ambush against the city behind it. And so that the Lord is speaking there to Joshua and that's talking about the battle of AI, which is another city. And there the people were allowed to take the spoil. But here at Jericho, they were not permitted to do so. This guy Achan did it. And it's causing problems. So then let's see what happens next. Now that this guy has done this. It says, 
let's see, beginning in verse 2, I'll read verses 2 through 5. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men, and chased them before the gate, as far as Shebarim, and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So let's pause. There's this relatively small city, Ai, and they just send 3,000 people up there, because it was apparently relatively nothing compared to Jericho, and they suffered a defeat, and 36 of their Soldiers die. And so let's see what happens here. Continuing verse six, it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? So that's through verse 9. Joshua is praying before the Lord. Now listen to how God responds. The Lord says, it says just beginning in verse 10, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. And that's through verse 13. And so the Lord shows Joshua that devoted things have been taken. And and that passage in chapter 7 continues on to show how Achan is singled out and then put to death. And then we move on into chapter 8. And then chapter 8, verse 1 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and his king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. And so that was actually chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. We read one of those verses earlier. And so what does all this have to do with David? Like, why did I read 2 Samuel 5 and transition to these, these stories in, in Joshua? Like, what does all this have to do with each other? And you might have already noticed the contrast. What did David do that Joshua didn't do? Both David and Joshua had the battle plan for the first battle, the first battle of the Philistines and, and the battle of Jericho. But David paused between the first and second battles. Joshua just moved on from Jericho to Ai. He didn't pause to seek the Lord. He didn't pause to lay on his face before him until after the defeat. And I just wonder, would those 36 guys who died have lived if he had paused and sought the Lord? 
if he had paused and saw the Lord, because I just believe with all my heart that the Lord would have shown him exactly what he showed him after the fact, which is there's sin in your midst. And the whole issue with Achan could have been resolved before they even went up to Ai if he had paused to see God. And so, again, the, the circumstances were not that different from each other. Okay, here's this battle at Jericho. Okay, let's move on to the next battle in the, in the promised land. But he didn't stop to seek the Lord. Now, let me quickly say, I'm not, you know, uh, hating on Joshua or anything like that. Joshua is, he's, he's great. And he's um, a good leader of the people of Israel. I mean, he, uh, he's the one who famously said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I'm not trying to paint Joshua in a super negative light, but I am wanting us to learn a lesson from him. And so what's the point that I'm trying to make? Where does the rubber meet the road for you guys and and for all of us in our lives now from what we can see by comparing and contrasting how David and Joshua, both warrior leaders, handled these situations? And that's this. Even if you've been in a situation very similar to the one that you're facing, even if previously in the past situation, the Lord gave you wisdom as to how to handle it and what you should do, even if all that, You should still pause to seek him now, because even though the circumstances are similar, he might want you to do things differently this time. He might have a different course of action for you, or he might be able to highlight something that needs to be dealt with first. As in the case of, um, of course, uh, Joshua with AI. And this is what we need. We need wisdom. And so just a couple of simple examples, and I'll share with you how I learned this lesson um, perhaps you're beginning a business venture with somebody that you've had really good experience with before as a business partner. You should still pause and seek the Lord. God, should I go down this path with this person? Would this be wise for me to partner with them in business? You could. So, for example, if you're trying to make peace between people and mediate peace and be a peacemaker, because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so it's if you want to be a peacemaker, you can say, well, you know, I was in one situation in this course of action really made peace. Well, I could try to get in this situation, not so fast, different situations. People could respond to different things very differently. And so it's still a good idea to pause and say, God, when I was in this other situation that was like this one, I did X, Y, and Z, and it really helped diffuse the situation and, and bring peace. Will it also have that effect in this one, or should I handle it differently? And so just quick illustration from my own life, my, uh, my wife, Lacey, and I, we, uh, we were going to a bed and breakfast one time on a vacation. We had been to a bed and breakfast before, and we had had a really good experience. This other bed and breakfast, wonderful time, great vacation. So we thought, okay, bed and breakfast are awesome. Let's do that again. So some time had passed, and we we found one in the mountains of North Carolina, which is the state that we live in. And we drove there. It was about a five-hour drive. And we get there, and we get to the bed and breakfast, and we start um, just, you know, we take our suitcase up there. And whatnot. And I'm just, I'll save you a ton of the details again, just for the sake of time. But suffice it to say that both of us started feeling really uneasy about this place. We both just started feeling a great sense of dread about this bed and breakfast. And, and, and there was even some, like, there was this like shady gas station that we stopped at that we got a really bad feeling about. And just the, the town in general that this was connected to, it was just like a really heavy and, and dark feeling place. And so, but and neither one of us initially said anything to the other because we didn't want to, you know, like just burst the other's bubble or something like that. Where it's like, okay, no, maybe, maybe this will, maybe this isn't anything. But both of us just had this sense of the, the only way I can really describe it is that it's like there was something we felt like spiritually something's not right here. 
spiritually something not good is going on here. And I could count, you know, on both my hands, the number of times that I felt that way, maybe even on one hand. Um, cause it was very, very, uh, kind of an intense experience. And, you know, we, we talked through it and, and throughout the course of a couple of hours that we were there about what we should do, because it was really heavy. And it got to the point where I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't want to sleep in this place. I'm like, I don't even feel good about sleeping in this bed and breakfast. And I don't know why guys, I, I don't know why. And I praise God that I don't know why, because if I had stayed, maybe I would have found out why I felt we felt such unease and all that. But, but we just felt it very heavily. And we, we ended up getting in the car and driving all the way back home, getting back home at 2 AM, but it was worth it. We're like this week. We could not stay there. And I'm not trying to be superstitious or anything like that at all. Um, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that where you've just been in a situation where you feel like something spiritually not good is going on here. And for those of you who have experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so after that experience, it was when the Lord taught us this very lesson out of this very passage in second Samuel five, where it's like, okay, even though it had been a really good experience the first time with a bed and breakfast, that doesn't necessarily mean the next time would be good. And so it, it is, it is so crucial to just still stop and pray and still seek the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you guys with whatever you're facing to, um, to still pause and to seek him and ask him for wisdom. Um, listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, in closing, I do just want to say, if you're asking for wisdom and you just don't feel like it's, it's coming at all, like there's nothing you've been praying for a season and you feel like it's just nothing's happening. And that's worth asking some questions. And I'll just give you one question to ask. And that one question to ask is just, Lord, why am I not hearing from you? Lord, what is it? Is there something? That that is that's that's interfering with my ability to hear from you. Now, remember, wisdom can come through a variety of ways. The Lord will give us wisdom through speaking directly to our hearts or whenever the Holy Spirit takes a certain passage of scripture and just applies it to our circumstance. He'll speak to us through other godly people and in a manner of speaking, he'll speak to us through our circumstances and how they line up. And so I, I don't want to restrict how he'll speak to us because he can speak in a variety of ways. But if there's nothing, then it's worth asking some questions and asking the Lord why that is. So I hope all this was encouraging to you. I hope that you saw how it could um, apply in your situations and just that it was a blessing to you because it's certainly a blessing to me to be with you guys here again. So thank you, Kenneth, for having me on to the Servant Soul podcast. God bless you guys. Take care. I want to thank Christian again for sharing. And if you enjoyed this episode, I again encourage you to check out the I Just Want to Talk About the Bible podcast. And also just a brief reminder that Servant Soul is always open to guest speakers uh, who want to share from the Word of God. And in closing, I just want to read John fifteen sixteen, which says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Amen. Thanks for listening. And until next time, May we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.